Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a sweet presence of the Lord we have with us here today. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John, the 16th chapter. John, the 16th chapter. And if you, if you can stand for the reading of the word, please do. John chapter 16, and I'm going to start with verse number 16. John 16, 16. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of what I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. And right from the words of Jesus, I come to you today with great expectation in the Holy Ghost to preach to you that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let us join with me in prayer, will you? Lord, fill us with your joy today, that joy that we can only find in you. Lord, I pray that we put every hindrance and distraction aside and focus on you, Jesus, and the joy that you bring. You are the provider of every need. You are the provider of this joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. I, I cast out everything that's not of you. Lord, I take thought every captive and bring it into your obedience, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we honor you right now. And everybody say amen. Church, I have you may be seated. I love I have to say I love how the Lord gives these little snippets or sayings throughout the scriptures, just like this one, that your joy may be full. I believe and know that the, that the Lord organized the word in such a way so that we can remember. Amen. So that we can remember when times get tough. So that we can remember when struggles come our way. So that we can remember when temptations try to rear their ugly faces. When tribulation comes and the enemy tries to laugh in our face. You may not see the end of your struggle. You may, not know, you may not see how you are going to keep going. You may not see how you can even take that next step forward towards your victory. You may not see Jesus in your very darkest times, but he's there. 
Remember we read in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He is there with you in the darkest days. Not just for you, but with you. Walking beside you, going before you, taking up everything that's be behind. I will fear no evil in the valley of the shadow of death, for he is with me. And it's not necessarily to take you out of the situation, but to see you through it. And in the end, he gets the glory and the honor for it. But it's during those times, just as we read, read in John 16 moments ago, that Jesus desires your joy to be full. Not just today, not just when you leave, not just tomorrow, not just the next Wednesday or Sunday service, not just when things are going good for you and you have a reason to be joyful. No, church. He desires that your joy may be full at all times. When we read that your joy may be full, when we read that word full, that is being filled individually to the extent it is complete, fulfilled, to make full. Going a step further, it is to cram as in a net to satisfy and to accomplish. Well, church, I don't know about you, but I sure desire for Jesus to cram me and pack me with joy. And when I think about that, those nets being full, I think about the disciples who had been fishing all day and weren't catching a thing. They were like, well, this isn't really working all that well. But Jesus said, go ahead and cast your net on the other side. And they're looking at him like, we're the fishermen here. Well, little did they know that he was a fisherman too. Amen. So they cast their nets on the other side, and what happened? They began to pull this net out, and their nets were so full that the nets began to tear, and the fish began to flop out and, and go everywhere. They had more than they could ever wanted. Why? Because they heeded to the words of Jesus. They cast their nets out again. And just like that, Jesus wants to fill you with so much joy that your nets are full, that your nets begin to tear, that your nets be you begin to spill out, <laughs> not just for you, but so that others can, can have it too. Amen. And, and also when I think about this joy being filled and, and being filled, I think about those little cans of spray foam. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The cans of spray foam that they use for like insulation and other things like that. You know, it, it expands to whatever area it's released. When it's released from that can, it comes out as a little stream, then poof. Sometimes it can get a little bit messy, right? Yeah. It reaches every corner, leaving no gap if applied correctly. What's more, when the place is filled, but the foam hasn't stopped expanding, it continues to expand outside of the area in which it was sprayed. And church, just like that foam expanding into every crevice, when Jesus fills us with joy, it reaches every single crevice of our mind, our heart, and our soul. It reaches the very darkest corner of the smallest crevice. And as your cup of joy is full, when you can say, my cup overflows, you may see a brother or a sister next to you. Go ahead. And share that overflowing joy with them. Come here, AJ. We like to pick on AJ because he sits in the front. And he's a good, he's a good sermon illustrator. So I'm being filled with joy. And, and when you share this with somebody else, you say, now listen, I know you're going through a tough time right now, but let me tell you how Jesus got me through that. Let me share some of this joy with you so that you can have it too. Check this out. Let me show you this over here. I was doing this, and the Lord said no, and, and he brought me out of this, but he filled me with so much joy, and I want to share that with you. Are you feeling the joy that I'm sharing? I'm beating them up right now. You know what I'm saying, though? We see a brother or a sister next to us, and we see that they may be struggling with something, and you say, hey, let me show you what Jesus did for me. Uh, 
And that's the thing. The Lord's joy can never run dry. It's always available for you and for me. Why? Because as we read in Psalm 16, look at this. Thou will show me the path of life. Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Oh, when I read this, I'm thinking, ah, this is great. Now listen, there it is. The Lord is fullness of joy. If you desire that your joy be full, look no further than the fullness of joy. Look no further than Jesus. It goes beyond anything this world has to offer. It goes beyond anything you can experience outside of the Lord. Nothing compares to the joy that the Lord provides. There is just something about experiencing the joy from the Lord. Joy from the Lord goes beyond any emotion. While you may see some kind of response emotionally from someone who is being filled with joy, and yes, it is a joy to see someone being filled with the joy of the Lord. I love seeing the Lord fill someone with joy. But this joy from the Lord goes beyond any emotional response. Hear me, the joy of the Lord we read about in Scripture is that which is based on Jesus rather than what is happening around us. Joy from the Lord, or biblical joy as some may call it, is different from the joy that is based on circumstances. You may experience an emotion, uh, you may experience joy as an emotion when you're getting ready to go on vacation. You know, you get those butterflies in your stomach. I get butterflies in my stomach every time I get up here to preach. Amen. Or you're laughing with your friends or when you are with a loved one or when your child takes their first steps or when they say their first words uh, or when you get a promotion at work. You know, I I got an interesting story that didn't actually happen until this Friday. And I could cry just thinking about it because I'm thankful that the Lord puts me through things. <laughs> and it's nothing deep. It's nothing, it's nothing extravagant by any means. But Friday night, my family and I decided to go to Costco. I've, I've been converted to Costco recently. We've only been there a couple of times. If you haven't been there, you need to go. I'm not saying you have to, but it's a great thing. So we get our Costco members like, oh, this is great. And we're going to go there. And you get into this store, and this place is just huge. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like it never ends. I'm like, man, we need a church at a Costco. This place is massive. I mean, the ceilings are like 50, 60 feet tall, and it's just, it just never ends. You, you can get lost in there. I, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you will get lost in there. But anyways, we were in there, um, you know, just a little bit of story about myself. My blood sugar was starting to go low. It was low before we even started going in there, so I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, there goes my emotion saying, oh, this is going to be a great time, right? <laughs> and, so, and so we get done shopping and doing all our stuff. We buy all these things that we need and some things that we don't need and other things that we want. Notice how I deferred those two things, right? And uh, we get done shopping. I'm like, man, my blood sugar's still low. I got to get something to eat. I got to get something going. Well, they just so happen to have this convenient concession stand right there at the checkout. And as you're walking out, you're thinking, ooh, now that looks pretty good. They got a slice of pizza like this big. They've got ice cream cones and all that good stuff. So my wife and I are talking. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to get a churro. The churros look pretty good, too. They're like $1.49, right? So anyways, I'm babbling on here. But So we order our food. We, get, we order a couple of churros. We get a, a hot dog. We get some drinks and things like that. My family goes to sit down, and I'm standing there watching this gal serve our food and, and get it up in the papers and things like that. And uh, 
I see her grab something from a basket, and I'm like, what in the world is that thing? And she was grabbing the churro. You want to know how big this churro is? It's like that big. And I'm thinking, oh, what am I getting myself into here? And instantly, just some joy comes over me. I'm thinking, this is going to be great. You know, I'm smiling ear to ear, and my wife has no idea what's going on yet. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. This, this is a blessing. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get full. And you know, this churro can feed four people, right? <laughs> so, and I ate it myself, mostly, anyway. But <laughs> Sorry, that, that maybe a little tidbit needed to be uh, omitted, but it, it wasn't. So, so I get these churros, and I get back to the table, and I, and I sit with my family, and Tabby's like, you doing okay? Meanwhile, I'm just smiling ear to ear because I'm so full of joy. I'm like, I can't wait to dig into this churro, right? And so, <laughs> and so we, we get down and we start eating. I'm like, oh, this is really, it tastes just as good as it looks, right? And I'm getting full. I'm like, oh, I just had supper, but you know, what's another churro, right? So, so we eat it and we get done. And then I catch myself looking off in the distance and my, my thoughts, my emotions, and everything like that is pointed that direction. And I lose all the joy that was once over here. And I think, wow, I haven't even been to that part of the store yet. That's a disappointment. Just like that, my emotional joy, my response over here to the churro was gone. You see, the joy of the world is based, it's, it's predetermined by something that's happening around you. You hear what I mean? It was there, and then it was gone just like that in an instant. But this joy of the Lord goes much deeper than that, church. This joy, this joy that we feel in the world, the things of this world, I'm not saying they're bad, they're great. I love experiencing these things that I've told you about. But this joy is just a feeling, and good or bad can leave us in an instant, depending on circumstance. But Jesus takes it a step further. The joy of the Lord is a greater kind of joy, albeit the greatest joy. It is not something that only comes in the best of times. It is fully dependent on who Jesus is. And as the word tells us, he is the fullness of joy. When Jesus was talking to his disciples about the joy that was to come, saying, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take that joy from you. Hallelujah. This is that joy which is accessible even in the worst of times. And it is something that can never be taken from us. I love knowing that this joy is something that is always available. Oh, church, I don't stand before you today to tell you that I haven't had moments myself where I just told you of one moment, right? There have been times where I found myself kind of drowning in my sorrows and just mellowing around like... Oh, I just want this day to get over. I just want to get out of this store. I just want to be done with this and get home. I don't want to go to work today. And, you know, and different things like that. Anybody else been there, or am I the only one? There we go. I see some hands raised. That's all right. So, and, and, you know, there, there isn't a soul under this roof or watching online or watching later that, that hasn't found it difficult to find joy at times. For Jesus would not have said, you have sorrow now. Since Jesus told his disciples just that, does that make it, ex does, does that make it ex us exempt from that? Are we exempt from having sorrow? No, I wouldn't think so. But may we put into remembrance that one day when we see Jesus again, that all that sorrow will be gone. Oh, I wonder if we have some people right here in this place right now that would allow the Lord to fill them 
with some joy. Come on, can you fill you with some joy right now in this place? Can you put your hands together all over this place? And let the joy, let them fill you with that joy right now. Hallelujah. You know, church, I'm reminded of Psalm 30, verse 11 in, in the New Living Translation reads, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. These clothes of mourning, other translations use sackcloth. You know, those mourning clothes that they used when, when there were times of mourning. And he's turned those things into joy. It is only by him and through him that we can find pure joy. It is only by him and through him that we can find true joy. This joy that is not predicated or predetermined by what's going on around us or our present circumstance. It's in, it's, it, is, it is him that turns our mourning into joyful dancing. It is him that turns... That lifts us up and clothes us with joy. It is him who turns the tables, turning a bad situation into a good. And the only way you can have this joy is by knowing Jesus. It is only by knowing Jesus. It is by taking heed to his word, which is forever settled in heaven. It is, the only, it is only by knowing him and rejoicing in him. In fact, in order for you to rejoice in him, you have to know him. I know I'm making a big circle here. And if you don't know who he is, you can know who he is today. And I could list everything that he is, but let me just give you uh, who he is for me. He is my joy and my salvation. He is my light on the darkest days. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the everlasting Father. He is which was and which is and which is to come, the Almighty. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the only wise God, full of grace and truth. He is the fullness of joy. And you better believe it. I didn't just make this stuff up. For it is written. It is written. Don't look to the world to find Jesus. Look to his word. Don't look. To, the world will tell you that he's not all that you need. The word tells me there's nothing more I need. Which begs the question, who is Jesus for you? <clears throat> who is he for you at this very moment? <clears throat> like I stated a couple weeks back, it's okay to love Jesus for what he does. But let me tell you and implore you to take that to a greater understanding and love Jesus for who he is. This is how we find joy in Jesus. When we understand that he is the one who saves us from the darkness and transforms us. That he is the one who has, is, and will bring you through your darkest days. That he is the constant when everything else is inconsistent. If you're having issues in your marriage, look to Jesus first. If you're having troubles on your job, look to Jesus first. If you're having difficulties in your home, look to Jesus first. At all times, look to Jesus first. Remember, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. But wait, there's still a question that's been ringing in my ear this whole time. You may be saying, but Brother Trevor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what lows I have experienced. 
And to an extent, you're correct. I don't claim to know all of your individual battles. I don't know everything that you've been through unless you've shared that with me to some extent. But who does know everything that you've been through? Go ahead and tell me. Who does know everything that you've been through? It's Jesus. You see, Jesus was prepping his disciples for the times that were to come. And for some, it may have been sooner than others saying sorrow will come, etc. And these words were echoed through James when we read in James 1, 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There can be this misconception among both new and even some who have been believers for a long time that once they've made the decision to be born again of the water and spirit, that everything else will fall into place and life will be this large bowl of cherries. So much that when trials and tough times come upon them or continue after they chose to be born again of the water, after they were born again of the water and the spirit, they begin to question, why? Why are these things still happening to me? They begin to wonder how they could possibly endure such horrible circumstances or still be subject to temptations and those things which they thought they would not struggle with any longer. Peter also says something very similar in, in the first Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness, through manifold temptations. Church, that's not just talking about the former life. That's talking about now. You are in heaviness through manifold temptations. You see, and, and I've mentioned this before, but the devil's not stupid. He's not going to tempt you with something that you've never been tempted with before. He's not going to bring something new to you and say, whoa, what was that? No, no. He, he, see, he knows what you've been tempted with. But it's up to you to, to allow that to influence you. Amen? Reading on in 1 Peter chapter 6, that the trial of your faith, be, being much more precious than of gold and that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You see, in both of these passages, we see the instruction of what we should do when trials, struggles, and more come our way. James says to count it all joy. And Peter writes, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Why? Well, what if I told you that trials make us stronger? James tells us that our faith produces perseverance. Peter says that our faith, which is priceless, will be tried by fire. You know what that means? It will be refined. It will be made pure and, and will result in praise to God. To understand this, as I stated moments ago, we have to understand that worldly joy is not the same joy that Jesus gives. We must realize that God's joy cannot be taken away. Throughout the Bible, we read of joy that was experienced. In the book of Acts, the disciples were filled with joy. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit. They were going through these trials, this literal hell on earth. Some of them were beaten. Some of them were martyred. Some of them were kicked out of cities. Some of them were followed by those who were possessed of a demon. 
We also see the jailer in Acts 16 who was filled with joy because he had become to believe in God, to receive his salvation. He had received the plan of salvation, not just him, but his entire family. Trials may come, and you may be prone to complain, to wallow, to whine, but allow me to make it plain for you. Complaining is no way to get your way with God. Go ahead and grab onto the joy that the Lord gives. Times may come that you grow bitter, angry, <clears throat> sorrowful. Make the decision to choose joy. Every day, choose joy, no matter what. The pain, you know, the words of Jesus are to encourage you to keep pressing on, to keep pushing forward. The pain may be terrible, likened to that of childbirth, but the pain is no longer the main focus once the child is born. Oh, church, hear me. Your pain may last for the night, but guess what? There is joy coming on the horizon. Remembering that joy that's coming is going to be even better than the joy we experience now from Jesus. Because then we will be in his presence, standing with him face to face. There will not be trials to face. There will not be pain to endure. There will not be sorrow to feel. Our joy will be full. Our joy will be full. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church. You know, Jesus is desiring to fill you with his joy today. I don't know all the struggles that you've gone through. I don't know everything that you're facing at this very present moment. There's, there's a number of you that may be facing some kind of temptation, or you may be facing some kind of, you know, I'll call it temptation to get angry at a situation, to, you know, to, to get upset because something didn't go as you intended, or or maybe something happened that was out of your control, but you thought you could control it. See, Jesus wants to take that and fill you with his joy. You know, like the salvation that Jesus freely gives, so joy is a free gift from him. And when we read in scripture to be joyful always, you know what that tells me? I need Jesus. Because he is the only one that can provide that joy for me at all times. Church, it is time, and I felt impressed in my spirit that today is the day, right here, right now, for you to reach out and grab a hold of the joy that is set before you. It's time to fix your eyes on Jesus, whom the writer of Hebrews writes in the 12th chapter, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, church, the writer of Hebrews wrote it for us, what Jesus had endured for you and for me. He saw that joy that was set before him, but that joy could only come with the ultimate sacrifice that he was to pay. He would know the blessedness of restoring us to life, a price that which he could only pay on the cross. 